Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. Thank you so much for being a faithful listener. I'm so pleased to bring you a conversation today with my friend, Carol Mathis. We met Carol and her husband, Don, a few years ago when they attended a retreat here at the Refuge in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Carol is the stepmom of Danny, a young man with a passion for cycling and a contagious laugh. When she and Don were newlyweds, Danny died in what some might call a freak accident. In our conversation, we discuss Carol's crisis of faith following his accident, dealing with the grief journey as a step-parent, and the ministry that has come from her experiences. I believe you'll be blessed by our conversation. Hi, Carol. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, I am been looking forward to visiting with you all week. So let's get started by just giving you an opportunity to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Tell us where you're from and what life is like for you there. My husband Don and I live in Dallas, Texas. This is our second marriage. We've been married 31 and a half years. Woohoo! Wow. Yes. Wow. And I usually say we have four children, but because you know, it's our second marriage. I need to clarify this, that Don had two sons, Danny and Dusty, and I had two daughters, Kelly and Holly. So we got to be one big Brady Bunch kind of get together. And it's been interesting to say the least. Sure, sure. And are you retired? We are. Both of us were PE teachers for many, many years. So now we do mission trips and work at the church but we still like to stay active. And mm-hmm. uh, Don and I do lots of bike trips. Uh, we do bike tours. We just got back from Maine, from touring Maine. Oh, was wow. Absolutely beautiful. Riding the carriage trails through Acadia National Park. So wow. awesome. Wow. And I still compete in running road races. I've got a half marathon coming up in uh, about two weeks. Wow, good for you. Good for you. So were you able to see any of the colors? Are they out yet in Maine? In Maine, they were just the tr- edges of the trees, just barely on the outside edges. We're just starting. It was uh, last month, so it was a little bit early, okay. but yeah. it was nice and cool and a nice change from Texas. Oh, sure. Yeah, I bet. I would love to be up there in the Northeast one of these years during that fall color change, that peak time. It's got to be well, just you know, so beautiful. I grew up in Connecticut. And when you grow up in a place, you don't even know that it's so special until you leave. And then you hear about it and you go, oh, yeah, it really was pretty cool up there. Yeah. So when I go back to visit, I really enjoy the colors. In fact, usually I come back with a bag full of leaves, colored leaves, and (laughs) they go on my refrigerator. I give some to my mom. I enjoy passing those out to friends to see. Yeah, the colors are that beautiful up there. Yes. Oh, yeah. One of these days, I'll be doing that. So Okay, Jill, do it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I'll be riding a bike or running, but um, yes, I would you love to do that. You can see them flying in a car. Sure, sure. Maybe a hike. I would like that. That's, That's more too. my speed. So Don has two sons and you have two yes. daughters. Tell us a little bit about those kids that you share. Great. Don's son, Dusty, is very smart He is an ocean engineer. He builds the moorings that hold up the offshore oil rigs. So he lives in Houston, and we see him as often as we can. He is not married. 
and pretty much works on his work all the time and has one big giant dog. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Then uh, my girls, Kelly and her husband, Tyler, are missionaries in Ukraine. They live in Kiev, Ukraine. They've been there 17 years. So all four of my grandkids have grown up overseas. Wow. They are ages 19, 16, 14, and 11. And the oldest one just now is going to college here in Arkansas at John Brown University. And so I got to go up and see her. Very good. At the beginning of the month. And that was really special to have someone on this side of the pond. Yes. Before the pandemic, I would go visit there, especially at the end of a mission trip. If I went to Egypt or Ghana, I would extend the trip and go over to visit them. So I would usually go over about twice a year to see them. And then they come back every other summer. But the pandemic, through a wrench in that and haven't been able to see him as much. Our youngest daughter, Holly, is a trauma nurse and her husband, Kevin, is a police officer. So they have a lot of adrenaline running in that household. Oh, and they definitely. Have two dogs that are, we consider our grand dogs. Yes, yes. Now, do they live near you? They are only about a half hour away. Oh, good. So we enjoy seeing them from time to time, although they work at night. So they sleep during the day. So our schedules are kind of off. We don't see them as much as I'd like to, but we do yeah. see them. Yeah. Good for you. All right. So Don has another son yes. named Danny. Yes. Uh, talk a little bit about Danny. Well, because I am the stepmom of Danny, I wanted to learn as much as I could about him before this podcast. So I called his mom mm -hmm. and we talked for over an hour. And of course, she just, Love talking about him, oh, and that course. was really special for me. Yes. To just hear again what an amazing young man he was. He had a strong faith, an incredible work ethic. Uh, I just had, was interested in so many different activities. But the thing I, we all mention about him is was his contagious laugh. In fact, my last memory of Danny was on July 4th. He was in our pool. And I was actually in the house, but I could hear him laughing. It just was so contagious. Everybody around him would start laughing as well. And his mom mentioned that if somebody heard him in the other room laughing, they would start laughing too. It was a very contagious laugh. One of the things about Danny is that he was a very avid cyclist. He was a racer and he was on the Schwinn racing team, won the Texas state champ, was a uh, finalist in the nationals and competed all over the country. One of the fun things that he and Don did is when Danny was 16, he and Don rode their bikes all the way across America. And wow. this was quite a deal. They rode about a hundred miles every single day for six weeks. Wow. They went with Taylor University out of Indiana. And it was uh, such a memorable time. And I'm so grateful that Don had that opportunity to do with Danny, and we talk about that often. It was really, really special. Danny graduated from Texas Tech in May of 1989 and was preparing to become a psychologist. He moved to Dallas and got a job at a local mental hospital and worked on a crisis line. In fact, one of the stories his mom said is that one night he was on the crisis line and someone called in wanting to preparing to commit suicide, and he actually talked him out of it. Mm, wow. That was pretty special. Yeah. 
he had a girlfriend whose name was Danny, and they were preparing and talking about getting married. He was a pretty, pretty amazing young man. Yeah, he sounds like it. He sounds like it. I love that that he and Don had that experience together mm. of riding across the country. Such great father-son memories that Absolutely. have to have come from that. That's amazing. So at what point, um, I know uh, Danny was your stepson, at what point yes. did you come into his life? Don and I, well, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we were married for only three months when the accident happened. But uh, while Don and I were dating, I got to know Danny real well. In fact, uh, for the three years we were dating, we went skiing, we rode bikes, and I'm sure he slowed way down to ride with me. But uh, one time I remember I was riding by myself, going in one direction, and he was going the other direction. And he passed me and then turned around and rode with me. Again, I'm sure going at about one quarter speed of what he was used to. But he was just a, a great kid and easy to get along with. We loved reading kind of spy novels together and just, just uh, actually got along really, really well with him. So I got to know him pretty well before we were married, but we were only married three months when the accident actually happened. Yeah. Sounds like you guys had a great relationship. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So things were going really well for Danny then in the summer of 1990. Like you said, he had graduated from college, girlfriend named Danny. That's pretty <laughs> cute, Danny and Danny. Um, but talk about what happened that summer. <sighs> On July 11th, uh, Danny was house-sitting for his grandparents, which was actually just a few streets away from us. He always called his girlfriend, Danny, at 11 p.m. Now, there, this is before cell phones and all of that, so it's quite a while ago. And so when he didn't call, she contacted us, and Danny's mom, his brother Dusty, Don and I went over to his grandparents' house, and Dusty found him in the bathtub. Apparently, he'd gotten up that morning to get ready for work and was going to take a shower. As far as we could tell, he slipped in the tub and hit his head on the faucet and knocked himself out and actually drowned. Mm -hmm. And boy, that just plummeted all of us into a world we never knew existed before and was just horrible. A horrible time for all of us. Yeah. So talk about how Danny's accident impacted your faith. This is really hard to talk about, and people that know me now will find this hard to believe, but I nearly lost my faith that summer. You know, I grew up in a church that preached, if you did the right thing, God would bless you. And I was a good girl. I did all the, followed the rules, obeyed my parents. I married uh, right after college, uh, but that marriage ended in divorce, and Don was divorced at some time. And because we got together after both being divorced, and then shortly thereafter, Danny dying, uh, both Don and I felt such guilt that God was punishing us for our sins because we knew he hated divorce. And Jill, I just, I couldn't comprehend trusting a God that would kill a child because of what I had done. 
because of our sin. It was really hard, very, very dark time for me. But fortunately, Christian counseling, which I would highly recommend, I went to a counselor who helped me see that bad things happen to all kinds of people, and God helps us through these. God is with us through these. It's not God punishing us. We live in a fallen, broken world. Things are going to happen. Right. God is with us. He never has left us. He doesn't punish us like that. Right. He does allow bad things to happen in our lives, but he is with us to help us through them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I eventually began to read my Bible and pray, but very, very gradually. It was so kind of God. He didn't slam me in the face with Bible verses or anything. It was just very gentle. He wooed me back and filled my heart with his joy and his love and the realization that he died for me and my sins. He didn't hold me accountable for those sins anymore because Jesus had died on the cross. Jesus paid for all those sins. And I had asked for forgiveness. Those sins were covered by the blood of Jesus. And his mercies are new every single morning. And he gave me the grace and mercy to get up each day, to read my Bible and pray, and begin to go back to church and begin to trust in a God that was now personal to me. It wasn't a God that was my parents' religion or the church I went to. It was a personal God that loved me, forgave me, and was willing to use these horrible circumstances in my life for good. What a freeing thing to realize, you know, to come to that realization that your sins are paid for and that they're covered by the blood of Christ and that you do not bear any, any guilt, any blame, any responsibility for what happened to Danny. That's a hard, hard concept to get around and just was a challenging time for all of us. Well, and I think that's something that a lot of bereaved parents deal with, you know? So I appreciate you saying that and, and being raw and honest and vulnerable and sharing that with us, because I think that's going to help a lot of folks to, to realize they're not the only ones who feel that way and to realize that um, those sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. And that's not, God does not punish people in that way. That's right. As a step-parent, what impact did Danny's accident have on your marriage? You said you were only married for three months when this happened. So that had to have a huge impact. Yeah. You know, being a step-parent has its own challenges to begin with. Sure. And since we had just gotten married, there was already some pre-existing tension with our exes. After Danny's homegoing, Don and Danny's mom, of course, had to spend a lot of time together. They had to make all the funeral arrangements. They had to plan his service. They had to go together to do all kinds of things. They met at the cemetery. They had to do all the proceedings that just occur with the attorneys and uh, just the day-to-day dealings, all his possessions, uh, insurance policies. Well, that took a lot of time and Don spent a lot of time with his ex-wife and that was that was hard that was hard just really being honest that was hard sure. but I understand now I mean I know that that had to happen but at the time it was it was challenging and because of Don's deep deep grief 
he just withdrew, which a lot of men do. Yes. Just to deal with the pain, he withdrew. And since we had just gotten married, I mean, I I was thrown in a loop. I was left out of all the arrangements, taking care of Danny, and I lost the honeymoon. And we were in this, just this wedded bliss of being together. And it was just so awesome just to go down this dark, dark, dark cave. I sunk into deep depression. It was really hard, a difficult time. Remember at this time, I basically didn't trust God. I thought he was accusing me and punishing me for the sins that I had committed. So my faith was shattered. I I didn't have Don, and it was just a very, very lonely, lonely, lonely time. Again, I went to counseling, and that helped a whole bunch. And Don and I did go to counseling together. One counselor uh, suggested that we come up with ways to discharge our grief. That was exactly what she said. You need to find ways to discharge your grief. Well, we had been runners before, and we took running up again slowly. It wasn't near as joyful and as fun as it had been before the accident. But we would make ourselves go out and run a little bit, and we would look at each other and just say, okay, we're doing this to discharge our grief. And it got to be a joke (laughs) after a while. Uh, Uh And we would come up with whatever we were doing. If we were doing something with a lot of fervor and passion, I'm discharging my grief. And, you know, it was a funny thing, but eventually that really did help. Uh Sure. I would recommend you to find ways to discharge your grief. I also had another counselor tell me that as a step parent, if you could hang in the marriage for five years, things will be a lot different and a lot better. And I'm such a goal-oriented person. I thought, okay, five years. I'll just start marking those months off. And I literally mark the months off and then the years off. And within five, maybe a little bit longer, you know what? Joy returned. We were able to be great PE teachers. We parented all the rest of the kids through high school and into college. Oh, we just had a, a... a great life together, but it was a journey to get there. Yeah. It's an interesting concept of, of determining and, and making the decision to hang in there for five years. Yeah. And yeah, I could see how that you could kind of set a goal for that. Mm-hmm, I did. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, after five years grief, you know, the grief is always going to be there. Always there. But the intensity of it is yes. way, way less. And you get to find joy again in doing things that you you just couldn't even imagine at the early onset that you would have joy doing. Just like this bike trip we just took in Maine. I mean, we're going down through these incredible carriage trails through the Acadia Forest, and we're saying, wouldn't Danny have loved this? We would have loved to have had him here with us doing these bicycle tours. And he would want us to have adventures and go on places. We have been on a lot of mission trips around the world and done all kinds of fun things that he would have enjoyed being a part of. And we miss him terribly, but we've gone on and lived and we've lived a wonderful life. Yes. That's very uh, reassuring and encouraging to hear that. So I remember when Hannah first went to heaven that I couldn't imagine living with that grief for 31 hours or even 31 days. And now I'm talking to you and it's been 31 years yes, yes. for you and Don. Yes. 
So think back to those early days. What advice might you give to somebody who is just at the very beginning of this journey? Find a group of bereaved moms that you can hang out with because there's, it's hard to find somebody that really understands what you're going through. When you find a, a group that you can just be with, whether you talk, share, or just listen, there's comfort, there's hope. There's support there. Find somebody that you can be with. Encourage that greatly. Yeah. It does make a difference being with others that understand. It really does. Go to a while you're waiting retreat. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to get connected, isn't it? That is awesome. Don and I went a few years ago and it was so meaningful. And I think it's I think it's important too to get involved in a group that's got people that have been down the road away so you can see because you know at 31 hours or 31 days you don't think you're actually physically going to live you actually think you're going to die right but when you meet somebody that's been down the road 5 10 15 20 30 whatever years oh well i guess if they survived i guess i might exactly some hope yes yes i remember being in awe of people that had lived for six months or a year or 30 years that they that they had made it, but it also gave me hope that I could too. Uh, yeah, so it is good to get connected with others and get connected with somebody who's a little farther down the road. So is there a particular scripture or scriptures that have been especially helpful to you and encouraging to you through the years? I love Jeremiah seventeen seven through 8, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Those verses really have become my my life goal after Danny's passing is to be a fruit bearer for the Lord even in hard times, to be able to show confidence and trust in Him, to put my roots down in His Word, and to trust that I'll just take the next step that I feel like God wants me to do and leave the outcome to Him. Yeah, great advice. That's a beautiful passage. Um, and you read it so beautifully. Thank you for that. So people often feel awkward around a parent that has lost a child because they just don't know what to say. Mm. Think back uh, to those early years, if you can. What were some of the things um, that maybe were, were not helpful and then some things that especially were helpful that people may have said or done? Oh, Because I was so angry at God and had really lost my faith, anybody that tried to give me a bunch of scripture at that time, I was like, whatever, you know, right. I just, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't interested. Right. Uh, that was hard for me to believe now because the word is so important to me. But at the time, really what I wanted was just someone to express that they cared, mm-hmm. just that they were sorry. Yeah. And a lot of people really withdrew. They didn't know what to say, so they didn't say anything. and. Phone calls stopped and people started stopped asking and 
we didn't get invited to dinners and activities. And it was just a lonely time. So having somebody that cares, so important. Even if they just come over just to sit and look at his pictures. Uh, I remember one of Don's co-workers came over one afternoon. And that's all they did was just look at the pictures. Oh, what a gift. Yes. To be able to share different memories that you have of your child. Just to come alongside somebody. Nothing special. Just say, hey, show me a picture. Tell me a childhood story. Tell me something fun. I always do that when Don and I go to the cemetery, I'll, especially at Christmas time, I'll say, you know, tell me about one of his Christmases or what'd you do for his birthday or tell me some special memory you have uh, of him. So just anything like that, just remembering those early childhood, especially memories are, are super fun because I didn't know Danny then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's such a gift to Don to give him those opportunities to talk about those things because there's nothing a bereaved parent loves more than to talk about their child and to show someone their pictures. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that person really did give you a special gift uh, when he did that. By the time this podcast airs, we are going to be entering into the holiday season. And one of the most difficult times of year for a bereaved parent is the holiday season. And you and Don have had a lot of years <laughs> dealing with the holidays. So what advice do you have for moms or dads that are just beginning uh, this journey and, and they're absolutely dreading the holidays coming up? Yep, you're going to dread it, all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first thing I would tell them is it's not always going to hurt this bad. Yes. It's not always going to be this painful. It's not always going to be something you dread. Getting through them at first is all you're going to do is just get through them. Whatever you want to do to make you feel better, do that. The first Christmas we were without Danny, my girls and I surprised Don with a little Christmas tree and we had decorated it with all kinds of little tiny ornaments that showed different activities that Danny was involved in. A little bicycle, a little pair of flippers because he liked to snorkel, a little crossword puzzle because he did those, a little book. I mean, just all his little favorite things that he liked to do. And we put little lights on it and took it out to the cemetery. Then we took Don out there and showed him that. And we put that tree up for years. And what was so cool was that some people would come by and add things to it from time to time. Oh, that meant the world to us. Yes. Somebody cared enough to come out and put something on his little tree. Uh, other things that we did was the very first Christmas, we lit a big candle and put his picture right by it, right on the shelf by uh, our Christmas tree. Christ- you know, we had three other children, so we had to do some Christmas, just bare minimum, but we did did do it. But Danny was there with his picture and a candle, and we used that candle. It was a big candle. We burned it for many years with his picture by it. And eventually, you know, it was not something we had to do. Um, we just still think about him. We still hang his stocking and we always go out to the cemetery on either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And I talk about, tell me stories about Danny, what he was like at Christmas. Tell me some of the fun things you did at Christmas, those kinds of things. But to those early grieving parents, those fresh grief ones, it's tough. It's tough. Hang in there. Hang in there. You will get through this. I promise you will get through this. And eventually the joy will come in. You'll anticipate the holidays. 
You won't cringe when you see the Christmas trees up at the stores. You'll look forward to the joy and trying to reflect on, oh my goodness, I can't wait to celebrate Christmas in heaven with my child. Oh, amen. What a great thing to look forward to. I can so relate to what you just said about cringing when you walk in the stores and see the Christmas decorations. And they come earlier and earlier every year. And, oh, I just remember that first Christmas and second Christmas and probably third Christmas, too. Just that that dread of walking into the store and having to look at Christmas decorations. But, you know, now I enjoy it again. So. It does take time, but like you said, you just have to get through it for those first few years. And if you can find something to do that's kind of special for that person on your podcast, I've heard several people give some wonderful ideas. Danny's grandmother has the $100 gift. When they were young, married with young kids, they were very, very poor and didn't have money for Christmas. And someone in their church came along and shook her hand. And put a $100 bill in her hand. And back then, in the 50s, that was a lot of money. And they were able to have Christmas. So she determined that from then on, she was going to do that for a family. And we carried on that tradition for years. So it was kind of special to do those years after Danny was gone to find a family that really could use the $100 and anonymously give that to them. Yeah. In Danny's honor... Just be grateful that we had that to give and that God had blessed us and that we could continue on the blessing of the $100 bill. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What a great way to honor his life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. So what have you learned about God through your experience with Danny? Well, my faith was restored very, very gently and slowly. And I had to learn that there are, there are bad things that are going to happen, but God can bring good out of them. And I'm always challenged, instead of asking why, this is so hard to do. What do you want me to learn from this, God? What do you want to teach me? And how can I use this for my own good and your glory? That's not easy to do. It is very challenging to do, but you know, there's such peace and joy that comes when you can get to that point of where you can say, you know, it was not good that Danny died, but what good can you bring out of this God? And he has brought so much good out of it that I'd like to tell you about that. Yes, please do. (laughs) (laughs) About two years after Danny's passing, one of my seventh grade students was killed in a car accident. And I didn't know her parents very well, but I knew what it was like to be thrown into this horrible, deep grief and to be alone. So once a week after school, I drove over to Karen's house and just sat with her, listened to her, tried to remember every possible story I could remember about her daughter and share that. We cried a lot, but I kept that up for months. And uh, shortly after that, Another one of my students was killed in a skateboard accident. So Karen and I went to Debbie's house Mm. about once a month. We tried to just be with her, sit with her, (sighs) listen, cry, just be there. And before long, another one joined our club, a club nobody wants to belong to. 
Exactly. It's a very, very special club. And from that, I have been meeting with bereaved moms for nearly 30 years now. And there are over 70 women on my list that are just in this my area. And about once a month, we get together. And you know, those brand new moms, I'm so proud of them. They have the courage to walk into that restaurant. That is so hard to do. But when they do, they, they find such love and compassion. And when they leave, their hearts aren't quite so heavy. And they know they've got a safe place. So again, it's really wonderful that we have groups like this that are good for moms to come to that have lost a child. And we have about 10 or 20 that come every month. It's not always the same people, but there's always a good mixture. God just orchestrates this. Nothing that I do. I just send out the email and say, this is when we're meeting. God brings these moms in and we'll have three or four new ones. And we have 10 or 12 that are been down the road a while. And we always have three or four like me that have been down the road a long time. So we kind of encourage each other and they don't have to share if they don't want to. And most of them say they don't want to say anything, but by the end, they can't wait to share their story and show us pictures right. of their child and yeah. tell us. And oh, such a bond develops between these women. So it's been, it's been my joy just to facilitate it and be there to lead the group. Yeah. How can people get connected with your group in that area? Oh, they probably need to connect with Hope Dawning because that's that's where it started. A few years ago, Susan Morrison, that I did not even know, but she came to one of my uh, meetings that one night. That's how I got to meet her. Someone brought her. Uh, shortly after that was going to be Mother's Day, and she asked a couple of us to come alongside her and prepare a brunch for moms that had lost children the Saturday or the weekend before Mother's Day so we could honor our child that had, we had lost so that on Mother's Day we could focus on the children that we currently had. Mm, I love that. It was yes. just a beautiful, God-inspired idea. Well, we've had three of those. Uh, we didn't have one the last two years because of the pandemic, but they have just ministered to literally hundreds of women. We've had at our church what they call hot topics, where women come every Sunday for four Sundays in a row and hear different topics that pertain to bereaved moms. Just this past Monday, we met at the Dallas Arboretum, and we had a little devotional, and then we had a time of just walking around by yourself, a time of reflection, and we gathered together for lunch. Uh, Susan's always coming up with kind of fun, interesting things for us to do. We meet sometimes and talk about the holidays. And she is a fantastic resource for grief share, while we're waiting, the rebuild, all the grief groups around that support, especially support bereaved parents. She's a resource to send this out literally to hundreds of women mm -hmm. in our area. And of course, unfortunately, we get new ones added all the time. One of the cool things Susan did last year since we couldn't meet was she made these experience boxes that we delivered to all the bereaved moms that they opened it up and it had a candle in it, a coffee mug, a poem, oh, just a, just a collection of really, really beautiful, beautiful things that we used during our Zoom 
pre-Mother's Day get-together since we couldn't do it in person. So Hope Donning has uh, just been a gift to the area of North Dallas. Yeah, and I'll put a link in the show notes to the Hope Dawning website, and that way you guys, anybody that's listening that might want to get connected uh, to this group, I highly recommend it. I've met a lot of these ladies. I've met Susan and, of course, Carol, and I know that you all do amazing things for the women in that area. So, yeah, I I wanted to get the word out about that. So thank you so much for sharing that. Welcome. All right. Well, we're about to wrap up our time together. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we finish up? You know, I would not have anybody lose a child, but my faith is much deeper. It's very personal. And Jesus now is my true source of joy in spite of hardships that I'm currently dealing with right now. And it has been my privilege to walk beside so many women these past 31 years. And aren't we going to have an amazing reunion in heaven? I can't wait to meet all these children. They're amazing kids. I've heard all these stories. What a reunion that's going to be. And I'm going to get to meet these amazing kids that I've heard so much about. I'm anticipating that. Yes, that's one of the things I look forward to, too. All of these stories, all of these parents that we've gotten to meet through while we're waiting. I can't wait to meet their kids. I just, I've seen their pictures, I've heard their stories, and I just can't wait to meet them. Um, So, yeah, we've got a lot to look forward to, don't we? We do. We do. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Amen. The best is yet to come. All right. Well, thank you so much, Carol, for joining us today. And um, I'll be sure and put uh, all that information in the show notes. So hopefully you'll get to meet some more moms uh, that have listened to this podcast today. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.